In this episode of Tech Transformation sponsored by Microsoft, we're looking at the role that security plays in today's retail and consumer goods environments. We're talking with Jim Eckert, Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft, as part of a three-part series that's digging into some of today's most pressing security concerns. In this first episode, we're taking a look at some of the different concerns retailers might have depending on how they interact with consumers. We're talking about the privacy matters that come into play during customer support, and we're digging into the technologies that are helping retailers and consumer goods companies reduce their risk of fraud. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News, where we explore the innovative tech strategies and trends in retail and consumer goods. I'm Lisa Johnson, Senior Editor at CGT, and in this episode, I'm talking with Jim Eckert, Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft. Jim's here as part of a three-part series where we're going to explore the role that security plays in today's changing retail and consumer goods landscapes. As the retail landscape is changing, so too are consumer expectations and the needs for retailers to protect their businesses. So in this first episode, we're going to explore some of the different security concerns retailers might have, depending on how they interact with consumers. Jim, welcome. Thanks for talking with me today. Uh, Why don't you get us started? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your role at Microsoft. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Again, my name is Jim Eckert. I've been with Microsoft for a couple of years, but I come here after spending 10 years as a security practitioner, uh, CISO at a consumer and product goods company as well as CISO at uh, a pharmaceutical company. And so come with lots of practical experience, uh, but my role here at Microsoft is really to help uh, organizations set their security strategies so that we can address all of the different pressures that security leaders are facing. Uh, Declining investment, but increasing expectations and security posture. And so there's just a lot of things to work on to really produce a security posture that, you know, for the purposes of this conversation is going to protect the consumers that, that all of our organizations are dealing with. So I'm really looking forward to this set of three conversations and in particular, this first one. Okay, well, I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, okay, so, you know, as you mentioned, retail consumer goods, it's very broad landscapes. Um, and so really depending on the type of business is going to affect how they're interacting with consumers. So purpose of setting up this series, why don't you talk us through some of the different ways retailers are interacting with consumers? Well, I think first we have to just kind of talk about, you know, retail is a very broad, retail and consumer goods is a pretty broad topic. And so just some examples that that kind of elicit some of the different ways that I think uh, retailers are interacting with consumers is, you know, we have quick service restaurants. And so I think during the pandemic, we saw a lot of infrastructure set up so that we could interact with consumers differently, whether it was through mobile apps or we're starting to see more and more kiosks uh, pop up in store. And so I think quick service restaurants are really doing a lot of innovation and they're doing it really quickly. Uh, Sit down dining has some interesting aspects as well. I mean, of course we have loyalty programs, we have QR codes as menus now. And so that's a different way of interacting with uh, consumers. Big box retail uh, has been doing self-service checkouts. Those are growing in uh, popularity. Uh, again, mobile apps and e-commerce taking place there. And so e-commerce is a particularly interesting one from a security perspective because you have the customer interface, you have how uh, actually that code and those websites were developed and were they done securely as well. So that's really important. Um, Grocers are another great example because of course we have self-service checkout, but they have also gotten into e-commerce fulfillment and a lot of mobile apps. 
And, and then, you know, last but not least, just not to reiterate, but e-commerce is a really important channel that is growing like wildfire. And, and in that, we have, you know, different organizations that are doing subscription services. They've certainly got mobile apps and they've got really large e-commerce websites that are, that are serving every need for all these consumers. And so it's, it's a really vast environment and we've developed a lot more uh, organization to consumer interfaces that we really need to think about uh, security for. You know, it's interesting you bring up QR codes. You know, they've certainly been around for a while, but we, we've seen a real resurgence in their use. And I'm not sure that's something that anybody really could have predicted happening. Um, so when consumers are interacting with retailers and consumer goods organizations, what are some of the security concerns they might experience, um, you know, or where retailers can distinguish themselves? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a few different areas that are that are really, really important, but perhaps the most important is from an identity perspective, because Lisa, when you log on to an e-commerce site or, uh, or a mobile app, uh, you certainly expect it to be secure and above all else, you expect your identity to be secure so that when you log on to that site, we want to make sure that nobody can come in as Lisa and purchase goods and, under your good name and under your identity. And so, yeah, and one of the problems that I think that we all deal with, and so Microsoft certainly talks to consumer organizations about is, is this whole problem that people tend to use their personal identities across many different websites, banking, e-commerce, and the like. And I bet you that about 80% of the people that we're talking to right now actually use the same email address and the same password across multiple sites, right? They shouldn't admit it, but yes, they probably are doing it. Yeah, that. yeah. And I may actually have one or two, but I don't have a bunch. I would never. And of course not. Never. <laughs> never. But the important point about that is, as you would well know, uh, is that if one of those sites gets breached by one of the cyber attackers, uh, the next common routine that they do is they, they exercise the same identity across multiple sites to see where they can get in. And so identity needs to be cared for. And so from my perspective, from Microsoft's perspective, this is an area where um, organizations can differentiate themselves because you can go beyond just the basic authentication and the identity and actually add threat intelligence into that so that you're actually making smarter decisions. And perhaps I have some threat intelligence that says that Lisa's identity was compromised over here, so I'm going to push you through a self-service password reset or maybe an MFA type of thing. The other thing that I think is really important, and I want to spend a little bit of time on identity, is because um, just like many consumers have become accustomed to with their banking services using some sort of multi-factor authentication, whether it's an SMS or an email, I think we just need to, organizations need to be pushing and consumers need to be expecting that multi-factor authentication is going to become more and more a part of their lives and they should actually appreciate that and not uh, be, be angry about that because that's protecting the identity with some of these consumers. So you're saying it should really become the norm, right? And then just not, I mean, this is something when you're signing up for a new account, or you're signing up for a new service, this is something that should be part of the process. See, you are a master of simplifying <laughs> concepts. And so absolutely what you Job said of an is editor. important. The, the other thing that I think is interesting, you know, when we talk about differentiating ourselves is privacy has become really important to consumers. Uh, some, you know, tend, tends to be the younger you are, the less you tend to care about, the older you are, you probably care about it more, but location services and telemetry on your smart devices has become uh, really interesting in terms of sharing data across apps. Uh, and in fact, we've seen some of the mobile device makers start putting in limitations so that the consumer has more control 
over what is being shared across apps. And so when we talk about differentiation, Lisa, I think it's really important that uh, organizations think about, is that going to actually appear, gathering all this information, is that actually going to appeal to the consumer or is that going to be a turnoff to the consumer? And so giving uh, the consumer more choice when we think about some of that privacy type of stuff and, and how these organizations are trying to construct personas around the consumers. So let's let's talk a little bit about privacy, because I know what you're talking about. I know I've gotten into my car and I pick up my phone to put on some music and my phone tells me, you know, they suggest that perhaps I'm going to the grocery store at this time. And, you know, I know it's because it's been gathering the location information, but it still it feels like an invasion of my privacy at times. So how are you working with companies to manage and maintain the privacy of customers and consumers? Yeah, and I think, I mean, and there's many different angles on privacy too, but I, like you, I find that kind of stuff where it knows, it thinks it knows where I'm going. I find that pretty creepy. Uh, and, and so clearly. Convenient perhaps, but also. Yes. <laughs> well, so, so from a non-technical perspective, I think it has to just be part of the fabric of the organization in terms of as a standard, as a principle, do you go out and purposely try and collect that kind of stuff or not? And that's an organizational decision. From another perspective of privacy, though, many organizations uh, love to get a longitudinal view of their consumers. What have they purchased in the past so that they can predict what you're going to purchase in the future, uh, so that they can uh, subscribe you to email campaigns and suggest that you might want to come back to the site and the like. And so from that perspective, we're starting to get some pretty well, not starting. I mean, in Europe, we've always had some very well-defined privacy laws. We've got GDPR. But in the United States, when we start thinking about CCPA and the like, we're starting to get better defined privacy laws as well that give consumers rights to go in and view what do organizations know about you, the right to correct that information, the right to transport that information, and ultimately the right to purge all of that information. And so from Microsoft's perspective, we've taken that very seriously. It's a very laborious task to do that kind of stuff. Um, And so we produce capabilities that actually help to manage that privacy situation and that set of privacy regulations so that it actually does help consumer organizations to honor all of those regulatory requirements that they're required to honor. And then going back to differentiation again, you can use that as a differentiator when you're talking to consumers because you can convince them how much you really do care about their privacy rights by how efficiently and how well you can honor them in a frictionless experience for the consumer. So you're leading well into my next question because I want to talk about supporting consumers and supporting your customers. Um, They often find themselves in need of support from retailers and consumer goods organizations. So from your perspective, you know, what are some of the different ways that looks like? Well, I think there's some interesting stuff going on in this space uh, from Microsoft and, and others, but Fundamentally, you know, the more we've had consumers working remotely, doing a lot more e-commerce, uh, there, there's kind of a chasm between the consumer and the e-commerce company, and so that chasm gets closed by typically chatbots and call centers. And so one of the things that Microsoft has noticed and Microsoft is addressing uh, is that this is an area that's primed for fraud. So we come back to our good friend identity when we're calling into a call center. So, Lisa, when you call into a call center and say, I have a problem, how do they actually know that you are you. I mean, they may look at your cell phone number if they have good caller ID, but that has spoofing capabilities. Uh, They may have a set of five or seven questions that you have pre-answered so that we can say, uh, Lisa, what is your your favorite color? 
Um, but but we find that you know that's also fraught with peril because we can find out a lot of that stuff on your social media that you may not have protected well enough. And so one of the things that we're doing is actually applying biometrics to call center interactions so that when you call in, we can actually look at your voice, we can look at your speech patterns, we can look at some of your behaviors, we can look at um, whether or not the conversation you're trying to have with the call center agent and vice versa has any signs of fraud because we're able to look at the conversation that's going on, the speech that's taking place, and we might actually detect it. Now, this looks like a fraudulent conversation, and so I'm going to pass you on to our fraud department before we go any further in the conversation. And that applies not only to the spoken conversation, but also to what might be going on in chatbots as well. And so there's a lot of machine learning based intelligence that's going on to help protect us from some of that fraud in an area where it's difficult to authenticate who we're actually talking with. It's interesting. You you know, I'd like to just focus in a little bit more on call centers because I know that's a really common way for retailers uh, to support their customers. So Beyond biometric technologies, you know, are there any other technologies that you can speak to to increase security and reduce threats during these interactions? Yeah, and this this kind of foretells what we'll talk about in the next episode as well. But um, when when we look at call centers, I mean, th- there was a day when you had rooms full of people who were doing call centers. But yeah, even before the pandemic, but but also driven heavily by the pandemic, call centers have been distributing people who are working from home. Uh, and the like, and they're working from perhaps their own computers. And so there's, a, there, there's another set of technologies we want to look at. You know, from home, am I going to be satisfied if, if you, Lisa, are working from your home computer that I don't know anything about? Or am I going to do some type of remote desktop type of situation where I can actually present you a virtual desktop? So that is one way that we're combating this issue so that we can have uh, call center workers work from home. One of the primary concerns uh, of security leaders as we've come through this pandemic is because people are working from home and because these same people might also have access to personal information, uh, we're also uh, starting to concern ourselves with how do we protect information when you're not in the office and you're not always under my uh, surveillance of, of what's going on. And so data loss prevention technologies are increasing in importance, insider risk capabilities increasing in importance as well. And then once again, I think for the third time for this in this conversation, we'll come back to identity is it's also really important. And this comes to workers laws as well as some risk uh, mitigation is, yeah, we can now with identities, we can look at, you know, what is the schedule that a worker is supposed to be working? If it's 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 5.01 p.m., your identity gets disabled until tomorrow morning. And so we're now kind of taking you out of the call center pool until it's your next time to work. And so we're squeezing down that window of opportunity and that window of risk that might exist because you're working remotely. And so, um, you know, everything working together, kind of a de- defense in depth approach is what's actually helping us deal with some of this uh, remote worker type of issue that is going to exist for as as far as Microsoft is concerned permanently. Great. Thanks so much for talking with me today and for setting us up so nicely for the next conversation. Thanks, Lisa. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to the next episode as well. Look forward to having you. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit consumergoods.com and rasnews.com to sign up for our newsletters.